Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 183 of the Get Around Podcast. As always, my name is Jake Andiff, hanging out here with my good friend James Cook in the middle of Cherry Fest, the busiest week in Traverse City. The fact that we're even here at the office, James, is a miracle in itself, right? Yeah, I think, I don't know if you saw, I tweeted the other day, I was like, uh, we're officially in, it's a three-minute right-handed turn in Traverse City season. Yeah, yeah, but that's true, especially on Three Mile right now, where they have Four Mile closed off the Hammond, so everybody's coming north on Three Mile, or south on Three Mile, to go around that uh, construction, which is basically right by my house, you know, right over on the way to my house, so Mm -hmm. if you are a little bit south, it takes like an extra probably 20 to 25 minutes added to your drive in order to get home, so... Uh, I've been doing my best to just completely avoid this entire west side of town. East Bay, shout out for life. It has been a great week. It's been a hot week. You know, there's a lot of heated discussion to happen here on episode 183. we got some cool stuff to talk about in the polls. We're going to talk about some of the all-conference teams that have come out of the last couple of weeks and kind of talk about some of the snubs and some of those players of the year. And, you know, we're starting to work on all of our all-region teams and get those out over the course of the next month. Uh, so make sure that you stick around and listen to that conversation and keep a lookout in all of the weekend versions of the Traverse City Record Eagle Saturdays and Sundays. We're going to be running our all-region teams throughout the rest of the month, starting with what I believe is track and field this weekend. So boys and girls track and field will be running this weekend. So if you are a track and field parent or a coach or an athlete or whatever you may be, make sure you pick up this Sunday's edition of the Traverse City Record Eagle to see if you made those teams, those conversations are a little bit more cut and dry for track and field than some of the other things that we're having here. Mm-hmm. Nice because you can see head-to-heads. You can see who's got the fastest times, and a lot of people ran at the same events. and it, it's, it's nice. It's not so easy when it comes to a lot of these other sports. Baseball, softball, soccer. <laughs> and, I mean, uh, yeah. going up and down looking at stats through divisions and uh, how far teams made it and conference MVPs and – you know, like I said, there's some team conference teams here that we just have to talk about because it's like I can't believe uh, some of these uh, kids got left off or got put where they did, especially after seeing all-state finishes and such like that. But there's a lot of actual changes that we had to talk about in our chatter that matters from last week as well. I had a few different coaching changes happen in the area in the last couple of weeks, some pretty big ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that there's been now that there's some vacancies. We've had some vacancies filled. Traverse City West with Leland, with Traverse City St. Francis. We're going to get into that in the chatter that matters. Uh, we'll put a few more members into the Hall of Fame retro actively uh, people who did deserve it this season but did not quite get a chance to make it in and james came up with the idea for i trifecta this weekend how many hot dogs could you eat in one in one oh, sitting yeah. so yeah so with the nathan's national hot dog competition going on and joey chestnut just completely disgusting me the question is going to be something about a hot dog eating contest how many we think we could eat and i have a bit of a fun story for that I don't know if I've told on this podcast before, but it's always worth telling once again. Uh, so make sure you stick around for the trifecta. We'll remind you, this episode is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. Speaking of our sponsors at Jimmy John's, we have two free Jimmy John's subs to give away. This week's winner is Traverse City Central student Caden Warner uh, for interacting with us on Twitter. We'll be sending two out to you, Caden, so keep a lookout in your DMs. Let's go ahead and put our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world and get into the pulse, James, and we have a lot to talk about. Uh, me and you were going back and forth about making these decisions for all region, and the benchmark is set pretty high uh, this year, especially with some of these all-conference teams. We were pretty surprised about some, where, where some of these girls landed, and we know some, how the, some of the rules work, but you know, after looking at all-state teams, and there's some girls that I was surprised that didn't make all-state after looking at some of our stats that we've gotten uh, back this year, but there were some, some hugs, there were some snubs, and... 
I know that, uh, you know, not everybody can be placed up there. We're having the same issue with our dream team. I mean, there's probably way too many girls that we're trying to fight over to put on our dream team when historically it's not like 30 people long. Yeah, and that's about what it is. I think when I, I kind of just started a list once I went over the statistics, created like a big spreadsheet comparing all the stats for everybody. And, yeah, the list is about 30 contenders for the dream team which obviously we can't have 30 people on the dream team. That's just not going to work. So, you know, we've got to figure out how to move some people around and uh, and all that. But uh, try to get everybody in, get everybody some recognition, put out with air what their stats are. But, yeah, when, when some of the all-state and all-conference selections that have come out are just kind of baffling. And obviously there's no perfect system to do this. I mean, um, we don't have one. I mean, people are going to get mad when we, quote-unquote, snub people from the dream team, you know? And we're telling you right now, like... <laughs> <laughs> we have to make these decisions. And some we have to have some cutoff. Yeah, and it's you know you know how do you compare? Uh, can you can you compare somebody who hit 450 at Division three to somebody who hit 380 at Division one? Is that is that even? Who knows? You know what are those what are those delineations? You know, looking at the all state teams, the the thing that stood out to me was the incredible snubbing of Carly Roloffs on the softball team. When, when you told me that nobody from Kingsley was on there at all. Which was surprising. There's a couple that I thought would, I, I mean, there was at least two with Roloffs and Coxon. And, I mean, there was a Hawkins. And, I mean, there's, there was like four girls. And I was like, wait, they're nowhere to be found? Yeah. And I just, I, you know, at the, at the All-Star game, I ran into Coach Hawkins was there because Avery was playing in the game. And I was like, I was asking him, I'm like, so you're not in the Coaches Association? Cause that, somehow- that was the only explanation that I ever would have had. And that, yeah, and he's like, no, I am. He's like, when I when I woke up and got the results for the All State team, I was really disappointed. And I'm like, okay, just 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 to show an actual disappointment, will you please please read off Carly Roloff's stat line because this is like some of the tops of the area, yeah. tops in the area, and, and yeah, they're Division three, but it's not like they're playing a Division three schedule the entire season long. Yeah, no, they're playing they're playing some D two schools, you know, and, and everything. And the Northwest Conference we know is is good. It's pretty. It's pretty deep, competitive. She played in 39 games this year, and these are her hitting stats. She hit 553. She had 15 doubles, four triples, 12 home runs, and 77 RBIs. 77 RBIs. I think that was about the same number of RBIs as we had for our Player of the Year in 2019. Rolos also had 12 steals. She was the Northwest Conference MVP. She struck out 109 batters, had an ERA under two, and a WHIP under 1.2. She didn't even get this is she didn't even get honorable mention all day. She's not on there. Just, yeah, just they just they like, didn't add them. So like, which is just weird. Woof! What yeah. an oversight. Yeah, and the, and the other thing, the Lake Michigan Conference team. I was looking at the Lake Michigan Conference baseball team, and and I'm gonna assume that this was done to get more to get more kids some recognition. You know that 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 Tom Passano or somebody at St. Francis knew they were going to be able to get Charlie Peterson on the All State team, so he's not on the All Conference team anywhere, but he got first team All State. That see, like that just doesn't add up. I guess I guess maybe because once again, Charlie Peterson's like the junior of that kind of like six senior squad that helped get down to the to Final Four. So yeah, so he got maybe. a lot of those. So he got a lot of those seniors on the All Star. Exactly, All Conference team. team. So and, maybe and the All Conference team in Lake Michigan is just completely determined by your where you finish where you finish determines how many people you get on first and second and honorable mention actually just first and honorable mention i think is all it is and so like if you finish first you get x number of first teamers and x number of honorable mentions and the coach gets to pick them 
So I think he had to have already known that he was going to be able to get Peterson in all state and was like, okay, I'm going to get one of the other seniors all, all conference, conference or, or something like that. It's, like, it's but, almost like you know you get it. If you're an all stater, you're like, oh, yeah, they're all conference. Nobody asked that question, right? <laughs> yeah. The other weird one is that Avery Parker uh, from Gaylord, who had a monster freshman season, had, uh, let's see, she had nine home runs and 62 RBIs and was only on second team in the Big North Conference. So, and I think she's running into the same rule that happened to Olivia Feebing in the in the past, where she also pitches. So, because she played more in pitch, innings at pitcher than at shortstop, she had to make the All Conference team at pitcher. And in her way at pitcher is Brittany Stimel. So, I mean, so she couldn't make the first team that way. I think that's a dumb rule. I'm not sure, but the way that I look at the All Conference team, I don't know. She was she made it as a utility. She didn't make it as a pitcher. That's what I mean. Is that like there was two pitchers? Her teammate Ashton Lundquist. I know. And was on first team. who's a very, very good player. Yeah, got the utility for a first, a first team. team. So once again, I don't know how that works. And I saw Gaylord. I saw West. I saw a lot of the Big North Conference. Avery Parker is definitely one of the top five or six players in the Big North Conference. Yeah, I think the Big North Conference has to find a way to put the best players on the first team, regardless of. This has to have been some rule where. You know, some somebody had a guy had a player that that didn't get on the first team because you know somebody at their position was better but didn't play as much at that position and it cost their kid somebody so a rule got enacted. Yeah, so like the the Big North Conference and I I don't know I, I I'm gonna make this a call out. It makes no sense at all. What they're doing makes no sense whatsoever because I, I just looked at this again and they you know their their first team doesn't even include the only. All-Stater in Division Two for them, which is the outfielder from Petoskey, Ian Peel. He's on the second team, but he made first-team All-State in Division Two. And you're telling me three? Yeah, there's three outfielders. Outfielders I mean, I, in, I mean, I in the Big Quinn, North. I can tell you Quinn Schultz and Reed Seabase had really good seasons. Don't know much about the Alpena kid, but Alpena is usually pretty good in, in baseball. But, you know, isn't there a utility position for that kid? To, I, I to mean, be able to put him on first team if he deserves to be on first team? I mean, it, it sure seems like it. I mean, he was literally um, the only person in Division Two who gets first team All-State. Wyatt Danielavich, uh, you know, the big hitter and pitcher from Traverse City West, he got first team All-State, made first team All-Conference. Ian Peel doesn't. I don't get it, okay? We're talking about just and just like, you know, Avery Parker. She's on the, she's on the All-State list for softball. Avery Parker... And and Jaden Jones each for earned first team all state in Division two. Did Jones not make first team in Big North? Oh, Jaden Jones did. So I'm saying Jones didn't, but Lunquist didn't make first team division all all two as a pitcher or whatever. But she got put on there. And then there's that once again. I'm not talking down on Ashton Lunquist, but it's just like I don't get the decision making process or what the benchmark is. Is that you have two for the only two first team all staters on your entire list, right? And one of them second team, one of them's first team. Uh, that doesn't make very much sense. I mean, it was a criminal that, or we, we both thought it was criminal that Brittany Steimel and Lydia Jaimes each only got honorable mention All-State. Yeah. That's Division One. so, like, I I might crawl, cry wolf, you know, and be like, oh, man, maybe there was some really good players, but holy crap. It is, that is what I heard, that, you know, that, that, that Division One was just loaded with people who hit, like, 20 or 30 home runs downstate and were going to, like, Alabama and stuff. But, I mean... Steimel hit eight homers, scored 48, uh, had nine doubles, two triples, 422 batting average, 
and Heim's number is even better. 18 doubles, three triples. And, you know, and Heim has stole uh, 28 bases, which I don't know what this thing with catchers stealing bases a lot, but, I mean, Asia Taylor is one of the top stolen base people in the area for softball. Alexi Coxon, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of speedy catchers nowadays uh, where that used, used, didn't used to be the case. Well, I know in my day, I got courtesy ran for it all too often. <laughs> So that, I didn't have to be speedy. That is the other thing. That could always be a thing. Catchers still can, you can use courtesy. They use your do good courtesy ran for. Yeah. Not them. In baseball. Not not as much. Not, not as so much, much but it, it happens. Yeah. You, you, see a, you see a lot now where teams, they don't use the courtesy runner or anything or the designated player for that. They they use a, a, a girl who's very good defensively, and they play her in the outfield, and she doesn't bat. And the designated player bats for her. There were, there were several very good teams of ours that, that did that this season, where you know there was an outfielder who just started in the field, and that was pretty much all they played. Was there anybody else you think they got snubbed from their all all, all conference teams, or didn't make very much sense to us uh, oh, otherwise? I could, I could probably keep going for we don't have that much time. <laughs> we don't have that much time. <laughs> well, you are right, James. We the, do not the, have. The good thing is, is that we get to do our all region teams after this, so we get to maybe kind of correct, rectify some some wrongdoings, or you know some. Or add to them, who knows? Or things where there's just, like, too many rules in how they pick these things, and we don't really necessarily have to to adhere to rules. (laughs) (laughs) We make uh, our own rules. So so if you want to make a case, you know, hit us up on social media. Yeah, or just email me. We don't have to do this publicly if you don't want to. Yeah, Yeah, uh, those all-region teams will be coming out over the next several weeks. Not quite sure exactly when each one will be coming out after track and field this weekend. I'm shooting for softball to be the week after track and field, and then I may be too optimistic, but I'm hoping for baseball the week after that. Okay, well, once again, don't quote James on that. Because I really have have the stats sitting in my hands, but I haven't compiled them or started the spreadsheet or anything like that. And that took me pretty much all of yesterday to do that softball spreadsheet because there's like 100 girls or so Mm -hmm. that are nominated Mm -hmm. for the all-region team. We have a lot to do ahead of us, so we will keep it locked. That segment is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's freak, yeah. That's going to lead us into our interview this week with Traverse City Pittsburgh's field manager, Josh Rebant. They are headed into the second half of the season. They already clinched a playoff spot just this past weekend after winning their division in the first half, so they do have a chance to win that Northwoods League title again. He joined us from the road, on the bus, on their way out to, to Wisconsin. Let's go ahead and give a listen to that now. The Get Around Podcast is excited to welcome back Pitt Spitters field manager, Josh Reband. Thank you so much for joining us on the road today, Josh. Hey, you're welcome, Jake and James. Appreciate you guys covering us and all the coverage you guys have given us the past few years. Well, yeah, no, we're excited to have you back here. The second half of the Pittsburgh season is starting here today. Uh, they're on their way out to get that started out for another road trip. And, uh, you know, it was a good first half of the season for you guys. We have you guys already clinching a playoff spot. I know last week was a bit of a roller coaster to get there. But can you kind of categorize the first half of this season and uh, how much better it's been kind of being back in this normal grind on the road and, and playing a full Northwoods League season with your guys? Yeah, it's it's been really nice being out on the road. Um, I mean, I think it's one of those things you try to take for granted when when you know when you have it. 
but I'm trying to enjoy that we have just because you get to know the guys a lot better on road trips. Um, you know, there's so many different things that could come up, you know, from playing other teams and having, you know, instead of playing one team every night, we're now, you know, seeing tons of different faces, tons of different arms and hitters, you know, all that kind of stuff I think really helps make the Northwoods League experience that much better. So in terms of all that, it's been it's been really good just to have Northwoods League schedule as normal and being able to compete with the whole league. Obviously, you know, it's it's nice to clinch the playoffs, but as you know, we've talked about it before, development is our number one priority, but um, we feel like if we are if we are doing our best to try and help challenge these guys and, um, you know, help make them better baseball players, we feel like winning is going to be a byproduct of that. And I feel like, um, you know, we've been able to do that, you know, again, this year in the first half, and it's been, it's been fun to see. You know, it takes a lot of work, you know, on the guys' part, and you know, be be successful for you know about a whole month straight, and mm-hmm. kind of got a little, lot little testy there at the end. You know, we had some really close home games with Kenosha, and one mm-hmm. with Kalamazoo, and um, you know, we ended up you know winning a big one on Sunday in Kalamazoo, which put us in a position that if Kenosha lost before we played uh, Monday, that that we would clinch, and that ended up happening. Yeah, yeah, I know. I saw that like, you said that. That was a bit of a roller coaster, but I mean, for the most part, you guys have been pretty steady throughout this first half of the season. We talked to a lot of the guys uh, to start off the season who were returning, and I think we talked about this at the, at the beginning. You guys had seven guys who were coming back here for their third year and who were really kind of looking forward to defending that 2019 Northwoods League championship that they feel they still have the you know the seat on top of the throne for. I know you say that development is first, and we've heard that many a times, but it seems like these guys really do want to win, and it's a culture that you've kind of created there. How have they bought into that? And regardless of, you know, first half or second half, you guys have already know that you have another shot at defending this title. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I think for the guys, it's really cool. Um, in saying that, not every college baseball player gets a chance to play in a regional and a super regional in a college world series like, it's it's not easy to win no matter what league you're in, uh, whether it's college ball or summer ball. It, it's not easy, and I think for us, talking about not taking for granted an opportunity that we have to play for a title um, and represent our community, represent our organization, I think it's really cool to put our city on the map in this league. You know, from year one and now now in year three, I still feel like that tradition is continuing built and it's fun being able to watch guys that may not ever get that opportunity at their schools hopefully they do some have but you just never know how things are going to pan out for the rest of your college career and you know when you get a chance to play for a title or first half or second half championship or league championship it all matters and I think that's the one biggest thing that like if, if you have a winning mindset and you you really want to find a way to get better you're gonna want to win um, and I think that that just kind of correlates with, um, you know, people that have really good work ethic, people that, you know, give really good effort. Um, you know, I think winning is, is a mentality, um, and I think you got to carry that with you. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool to see these guys come in and, and have a chance to play for a title this year. Well, in, in 2019, how does that kind of contrast to this year? In 2019, you also won the first half title and uh, and clinched a postseason spot you know people thought maybe you just kind of coast into the playoffs the second half but you actually had a better record the second half of the season that year than the first uh, how, how do you how do you bring that success over to to this year now yeah I think you know that's that's the challenge 
right there. Um, you know, we don't want we don't want to just you know chalk it up as we have a playoff spot, and that's one thing that we talked about a lot as a team in that second half of 2019 was, you know, just because you've earned something doesn't mean you can't play hard every day, you know, and it's the same type of message this year is that we want to, you winners want to win all the time, regardless of if, you know, you have something wrapped up and clinched, you know, winners want to win every day. Winners want to compete hard every day. And I think, you know, it's, it's a tough league. It's not easy to go out and, you know, win 20 to 25 games and a half. It's a it's a grind of a league, you know, so I don't know exactly how this second half is going to, you know, pan out for us. But our, our goal is to win the second half as well, um, continue to help these guys get better, and then, um, you know, hopefully put ourselves in a position where we where we have that chance to, to clinch the second half as well and maybe get some home field advantage heading into the playoffs. I know that would be nice, and I think I, I kind of mentioned the, the returners that you guys have, and, They've been playing a big part in your first half. I, I feel like Christian Faust, uh, Mario Camaletti, since Mario came back, I think he's been on base like almost every game, making some sort of difference. Christian was on a 10- or 12-game streak to begin the season with being on base. Um, you're seeing a guy like Wyatt Rush, you know, just completely do amazing for you guys from the mound. And obviously they all have that experience of the second half from 2019 and what it took for the, the championship run. How much are you looking towards them to kind of help you bring the rest of the guys along? Because not only have they been there, but they're all kind of showing out and seem like they want to be able to help you guys take that ride again. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, having guys like that that you mentioned that are here for the 72 games and not just for 36 clinch and then have fun for the second half, you know, I think the guys that we have um, are guys that want to play 72 games, that, that want to win, want to compete every night. So having, you know, the Faustis, the Camelettis, the Proctors, the Wyatts, you know, different guys that you just mentioned, you know, I think that that is huge because they're an extension of our coaching staff at this point. Like they they, they have a really good feel of what we expect, um, especially once we have something wrapped up, you know, and, and knowing that we have that playoff berth. You know, I think that those guys can really help bring the other guys along and know that we got to compete every day. Um, it's not something you get just turn the switch on in August, you know, in games, um, if you will. And I still believe every night matters. But in August, when games are, you know, going to dictate, you know, how long you can stay alive in the playoffs, you can't turn the switch on at that point, you know, not have played, you know, with your best effort for the last, you know, 30 or 35 days before that. So, you know, I think that that's our challenge, but I think we have a really good group of core returners that understand that and um, like you said we'll be able to help out the other guys that have not played in this league before um, and you know kind of know what that grind feels like. How, how big is it to get a, a good start in this second half? I mean you got Wyatt Rush starting tonight I think which is obviously a, a, a big boost for you. You're your guy who's basically performed as your number one guy kind of this year but uh, last year or in 2019 you came in in a double-digit win streak on the end of the end of the first half um you haven't quite done that this year but uh, how, how important is it to start that second half off strong yeah i think you know anytime you're you're playing for momentum you know it's it's you know an integral part of you know what what we're doing so you know getting getting off to a hot start here in the second half i think is um you know just continues to build that that culture of you know what we're doing and continuing to play hard even though we have something wrapped up and still seeing wins come in in the second half, I think, you know, that's that's our goal. And I think, you know, getting that momentum would be a really nice thing for us to get our, you know, our feet wet again, you know, at the top of the win column and hopefully hopefully stay there for the whole second half. 
you know, it would be something really nice. So um, I think it would be a testament, too, to our guys. If, you know, and again, it's a tough league. You can come to play every night and you could play, you know, 500 baseball or, you know, 550, 600 baseball. Um, it is a really tough league. But, you know, I think if we're able to pull out some here early and get top of the standings, I think it would really be a really nice boost for our guys, especially because we're playing some start out the second half of playing six teams from the other side of our Great Lakes, the Great Lakes side of the Northwoods. Uh, we're playing Wisconsin Rapids, Fondy, who also has clinched a playoff spot in that other division, and then also Madison. So I think for us, these next six games are, um, you know, really key for us uh, before we start playing our own, you know, divisional divisional teams like Rockford and Battle Creek, Kenosha, et cetera. And we've talked about development in this league, and uh, I think you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but you talk about playing, you know, Fond du Lac and, and Madison and all these teams that, you know, none of these guys got a chance to even get a look at for real last year. Um, how much are the guys enjoying a chance to play against this competition and use that as a new way to develop as opposed to what they had to do last year and be bubbled up and, and kind of learn a new way to do things? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's being able to see – more arms, um, especially in comparison to last year of 2020. Um, and I think it just aids to the development when you, you know, some of these teams might throw out some guys that have different arm spots or, or arm angles or, um, you know, different types of things we might see out of a pitcher velocity or a really good secondary pitcher. Maybe we haven't seen, um, you know, quite like that yet in the first half or Fond du Lac, who has a really good base running team. They steal a ton of bases. You know, it's going to make our pitchers have to work to try and hold runners and our middle infielders. So in terms of development, I think seeing teams on the other side that maybe do something better than another team in our division or vice versa, some teams in our division do things better than you know teams in the other division as well. Uh, but when you get that mixture of it, it really, um, you know, adds to, to the, you know, two game sets that we have. And it's an area of focus that, you know, we can really try and hone in on, you know, and hopefully make ourselves a, a better team and better individuals because of it. Does this, does this little stretch coming up here in the next couple of weeks, does it kind of uh, hold a little bit more importance? Because in the second half, you get that all-star break about two weeks in um, where you don't have that interruption kind of in, in the first half. So is, is it really, really important to get a good groove here these, these two weeks going into that all-star break? Yeah, yeah. By the time the all-star break rolls around, I mean, we're – we're going to be pushing to get into the fourth quarter of the season. Um, you know, and I think, you know, how you can come out of the gate, like, you know, it's anything, any sport that has a clock or halves like basketball or football, uh, you know, halftime, it's, you know, how, how well can you come out of the gate to start that second half? You know, I think if we have a lot of momentum going into that all-star break, you know, by that point, I think, you know, we'll have kind of, we'll have a pretty good idea of, you know, how well we're competing for us this summer. Uh, not that things can't change after the All-Star break either. I mean, momentum, momentum's a funny thing. Like, if you if you win three or four in a row, you're going to start feeling pretty good about yourself. And if you ever lose two or three in a row, it's it's frustrating. But momentum is huge. No matter if it's to start the second half, start the fourth quarter, if it's to finish a season or finish a half, opening day wins, All I think all momentum really matters but i think you know having the mentality and the mindset of of just going out and competing every night and having that desire to be the best we can and, you know and striving to win i think that that's where the true true momentum comes from is internally i don't think it's always dictated by the external factors that like standings i think it you know it obviously 
kind of is dictated by what we do um, daily. But I think the internal factors of being individually driven um, and team driven to to be successful, I think that's where the where the momentum really comes from. And I mean, it has to help momentum that just last week throughout the entire season thus far, you guys actually just dropped your first full series, which was you know just a two game set. A lot of these are short series but even not there's not many times you guys are losing back-to-back games and you're not really falling into a rut at all how important is that that you guys kind of have been been able to bounce back as soon as you get punched in the jaw yeah i think it's been i think it's been a good testament to the resiliency of the guys that we have here and um you know going into kalamazoo and putting up 16 runs on them after dropping three in a row um you know i think that that's huge um, when you talk about momentum and, you know, being internally driven and, you know, still coming back the next day. Um, and I really felt like even the two that we dropped to Kenosha and the one that we dropped to Kalamazoo, um, those were three really, really good baseball games. Um, I think, you know, there, there's obviously things that I could go back and say, man, I wish I would have done this or that or players probably do the same. You know, we all, we all kind of question ourselves, but, um, at the end of the day, like those were three really well fought games from both sides. Um, tons of energy, electric atmosphere with the crowds that were there, you know, and then going to a Sunday afternoon game in Kalamazoo where the atmosphere wasn't as electric, but being able to put up 16 runs, um, you know, I think that that comes from that internal motivation of wanting to be, you know, the very best you can every day. If I'm not mistaken, did you get tossed from a game for arguing balls and strikes not too long ago, maybe sometime last week? So it was not actual balls and strikes. It was a swinging strike three. Okay. okay. Um, so it was not in terms of where the zone was, but it was on a swing at this. Now, now, as a manager, I want to ask this question. I don't know if I've ever asked you this, but how important is it for you to kind of, like, get heated about some calls? And how important is it for you to kind of show that fire to your guys, you know, when they when they when you feel they might get slighted if they come to you and they go, oh, man, this is a bad call. I mean, as a manager, what's that balance for you? Like, I know that it's not like you want to get kicked out of a game or sometimes you might push the envelope a little bit, but I know that there's got to be some sort of, uh, you know, I got to do this. What is that? What, what's that battle like for you as a manager? I think it's definitely a balance. I think it's picking the right spots is, you know, one of the most important things. You know, and I think by doing that, I think coming to the park and having a consistent demeanor every day, I think it's really important. Um, and that's something that I really strive to do every day is be as consistent in my demeanor, my personality, my body language. You know, I think that, you know, if, if I'm a roller coaster, our team's going to be a roller coaster. And so I feel like, you know, it, it's on me to kind of dictate that even keel mindset. Uh, but I do believe that there's times that, you know, obviously come about where, you know, I, I feel like the players always have to know that we, we're going to support them, we're going to have their back. And so I think when times come like that, you know, it's, it, you, you got to show it. So I, I think it's definitely a balance. But um, through all that, I, you know, it's not like I ever go into a season thinking, man, I, w- I hope I get tossed in three to five <laughs> yeah, games. And I know right. that's not the question you're asking. That, you know, yeah, that's, not, that's not even what I That's not what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's just kind of, you know, it's kind of just organic in the way it happens. And, um, you know, one of them we had had, you know, um, I think we had the same umpire crew for six times in ten days. So, obviously, you know, things can carry over. You know, you know it's it's just like playing other teams. Like, no matter what, it's, it's fun seeing you know, new faces every few nights or, 
um, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's not like, I, you know, I, I don't hold grudges against umpires, you know, and, and obviously once the game's over, it's over. And what they called, they called. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can live with that. But, um, you know, I also want to make sure that, you know, I'm supporting our players and, um, you know, trying to help them know how competitive we are as a coaching staff and that we want to win as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's an important part. So this weekend, the uh, the Madison Mallards come to Traverse City um, for two games, I think uh, Saturday, Sunday. Do you have like a gift ready for them, for them uh, beating Kenosha by one run both both games this weekend to, <laughs> to, to, to gift wrap the division title for you? You know, I probably should, probably should think about giving Donnie something. Um, but, you know, in saying that too, like it is, it is, you know, obviously huge for us that they were able to beat them, but like, we had to take care of our own business as well, you know, throughout the whole first quarter. And obviously the last couple games of that first half get magnified quite a bit just because those are the games that everybody's watching. But getting out of the gate and starting 4-0 and then having the chance to sweep a couple teams throughout the year as well really helped us in that salvaging some, some road series. Um, we've had some really long road trips already. You know, being able to stay afloat with from the road trip. So, um, not to take away. Obviously, I'm, I'm I'm glad that Madison was able to take a couple from Kenosha and help us out there. But I, I'm also a big believer too that I think I think we took care of business, even though it came by scoreboard watching. Um, you know, if we hadn't put ourselves in that situation, um, you know, that we wouldn't have been scoreboard watching. You know, to see what happened. So, not to not to take away from you know how important those two games were. From, from Madison, but I think, you know, us putting ourselves in that situation was important. You guys had a triple header uh, like a week and a half ago, uh, two weeks ago after a rain delay, and that's just not something that happens very often, especially in the upper levels of baseball. What was it like managing a triple header and having to kind of, uh, you know, do that whole thing on a Sunday and play three games uh, in less than 24 hours? Yeah, well, I kind of, you know, going into that day, you're looking, you know, our, I'm, I'm looking, you know, two, three, four days past that as well. And the hardest part is managing a bullpen. Um, you know, I think in those, in those situations, because, um, you want to make sure that you don't burn all of your arms and then you're depleted for the next two or three days, which the following two days, we, we went to Kenosha, you know, which was a big road series for us. We ended up splitting there. Uh, but going into that three game series, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to not use more than seven or eight arms. Uh, you know, obviously we're gonna have we're gonna have three starting pitchers. Um, you know that are gonna go. Um, unfortunately for us, we only ended up using three bullpen arms that day, so we ended up with six arms. Um, but going into it, it's it is tough to manage, um, and also you're playing every day, so you're trying to give guys off days, and then you have to have you know some guys play three games in a day. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's definitely a tax on the body, and then wake up the next day and drive another four hours to Kenosha, um, you know, and play that night. So it's, it's definitely a lot, but, you know, everybody across the league runs into different scenarios throughout the summer. And I think, you know, the best teams are the ones that are able to overcome those, those, you know, couple days where, you know, you've really just got to suck it up and give, give everything you have and then rest when you can, when you're at home for six days, really try and, 
you know, make sure that, you know, you take care of your body as best as you can, especially, especially in those days at home. So, yep, yep, yep. Well, Josh, we really appreciate you for taking some time with us while on your way out to start the second half of the season. Uh, once again, thank you so much. We wish the Pittsburghers the best of luck in the second half, and we know we'll be seeing you guys in the playoffs. For sure, for sure. Sounds good, Jake and James. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Another huge shout-out to Josh for joining us for the second time here on the podcast. Always good to have him on over the summer. And, I mean, dude, the Pittsburghers are back on their way. They've been leading the division, been leading the Northwoods League this whole season. I mean, they haven't had a season yet where they've disappointed the people out here in Traverse City. They keep it exciting over at Turtle Creek Stadium. That interview sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's is freaks about fresh meat, bread, and veggies because that means better sandwiches for all. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's freak, yeah. That's going to put us into our Chatter That Matters section. And, James, we had a few changes in our coaching hemisphere over the last couple of weeks that I wanted to kind of chat about. And some people making some big moves. We had a bunch of vacancies open up here after the last season, after the spring season, and we're starting to see how that is unfolding. Traverse City West, I want to start there. You know, they had vacancies in both their boys' and their girls' basketball programs. Amy Drake leaving after just a couple of years, and Sanders Fry leaving after several years at the helm, and they have shored up both of those positions just in the past week. I know I talked to Jason Carmine, and he was like, this was big for us. Like, we, we wanted to get this done now so we were steady we were stable and everybody had two three four months to really start working before the winter sports season comes around we have a, we have a familiar face coming into the boys program which i'm not sure anybody saw coming to begin with but uh, after sanders fries leaves you know amy drake was the replacement for doug bauman a couple of years ago doug bauman takes a couple of years off basketball and he's back as a Traverse City West boys coach this time. I uh, was able to find a little bit of time to coach again, and from what I understand, has a couple of sons who might be coming through the program in the next decade or so. Uh, so Jason Carving thinks that he you know, has a good, stable guy here, obviously is a big part of the Traverse City West community with his, his wife, Emily Bauman, being the Traverse City West head volleyball coach, uh, and him be already being a part of that Titan community in basketball as a girls coach before. I mean, the comfortability has to play a factor, but you've seen a lot out of Doug Bauman and, and what he was able to do with kind of bringing that girls program up through the ranks of the BNC. What kind of decision is this for the Titans? I think it's a pretty good one. I mean, I, th- I see Doug seems like a person who he de- he definitely I think had the personality f- to coach girls basketball. You know, sometimes sometimes people think that the two need to be coached differently, boys and girls. Um, I definitely think he also has the personality to, to – he's an intense guy as a coach. I mean, there's no there's no denying that. But I think that will transition over to coaching the boys' team just fine. Uh, you know, when he was coaching the girls' team, they were, you know, kind of a defense first, you know, deliberate offense type of thing. But that also could have been determined completely by personnel and, and what you can run. You know, um, as far as the the girls' job and uh, and Tim Ryman, you know, he he says he's coming in and running an up tempo offense, which the which I think will be kind of cool to see. Um, I, you know, I think in the Division One, you know, in, in the Division One level, you should be able to to pull that off. Um, obviously, you can win other ways than that, but up tempo is always fun to watch. 
Yeah, and he said that he's coming in with a clean slate, uh, feeling like you know he's going to walk in here and be able to kind of create this program for you know exactly what he wants. I know that Carmine is very interested in making sure that the youth programs are nice and stout and steady. And like I said, him having a couple of kids, younger kids as well, I know that the youth programs will have uh, much care and attention taken to them. Over on the girls' side, we have a completely new face joining and taking over for Amy Drake. Tim Riemann joining up and is going to be taking over the girls, and he comes in with a breadth of coaching experience, and uh, he's coming in to kind of help off or help out a little bit on the administrative side as well, um, helping with uh, coaching coaches. And this is something that Co Carmine told me about that he was really excited of having him in here. Uh, you know, Riemann has a lot of experience, and from what Jason Carmine said is, you know, he re they recognize that at Traverse City West, their coaching staff is fairly young and fairly, you know, new. You know, not everybody has that 10, 20 years of experience. So bringing somebody in like Riemann who can kind of help them um, all grow as coaches and kind of teach them, you know, what it's, what it's like to do that long-term, that longevity to kind of build a program and uh, make that all happen is definitely what he was very, very interested in. Which is interesting because, I mean, in a lot of sports, West does seem to have like that what seems to be that long-term answer at a bunch of sports like, you know i mean matt boshan's been I, don't baseball think, I don't, I don't think it's that they don't have long-term answers i think that they want to hone the long-term capabilities of these long-term coaches yeah okay and maybe at the some of the other levels too you, you know junior varsity coaches you know they've, they've had quite a bit of turnover here and there at the junior varsity levels at, at tc west i mean a lot of schools do uh, coaching a jv team is maybe one of the most thankless jobs in athletics because there's there's not the the glory or the pay of a varsity job and pretty much still all the res same responsibility plus pl plus yeah. more probably because you're not just dealing with varsity you're doing your JV team and you're probably you're, expected yeah, you're, to be the assistant on the varsity coach too yeah and and you're dealing with obviously a different level of athlete most of the time so it it, it coaching junior varsity presents a lot of challenges i think to to coaches, so and there's it seems like there's always a lot of turnover for and, junior varsity coaches. And then, but that's what I was going to bring up is that you know it, it can only help that. I mean, there's a, we, we've talked about the coaching turnover in general in Northern Michigan lately, and in just in high school sports lately, and you know building coaches at those lower levels. So maybe when you go and have to replace your varsity coach, it's not such a statewide search of oh my gosh, who's good enough to do this, or can we trust anybody? Trying to build that pipeline, not just of athletes but of coaches, too. So it goes, oh, well, it only makes sense. Our varsity basketball coach steps down. We have somebody waiting right behind him who's been in the program and is ready to take the reins. And that's something and, I think they're looking for in the long run. Yeah, and I think maybe to maybe to develop people in-house, like you said, so that they have somebody in waiting, but also so that they don't have to have an open teaching position at this high school to fill that coaching spot. Um, you know, Because that can really limit you. You know, so if you if you feel confident that you have that person in house already that can take over if so and so leaves, you know, or has to take a break from from coaching because of you know whatever Health stress, family, family yeah. you know, they got another kid, their kid just graduated, and the multitude of reasons yeah. that coaches leave, that you've got another person that can step in there without having to go outside of the school district and hire another teacher and depend on there being an opening for a teacher in the subject that that person yeah, like teaches pigeonhole all that like <laughs> that's tough and uh you know and once again opportunities come and go quickly we learn this in other sports and other places uh, we can move on over to uh soccer 
and how quickly things changed. We, you know, we got the notification. Traverse City Central soccer coach Mark Fiegel was going to be stepping away, and it did not take long for Traverse City Central to find a replacement. You know, after this spring season, and you, you know, you have a little bit of background on on their guy Chris Hale. He came on in here, and he has some coaching experience in the area too, doesn't he? Yeah, he used to coach Bel Air back when Bel Air had a soccer team. And, you know, they made a couple of nice runs when he was coaching that team. They made the, I believe, the semifinals one season in, in Division Four, And, I mean, won a bunch of conference championships. He coached that team for, like, five years, I think. And, you know, and then, you know, I think Bel Air's one of just one of those schools where having football and soccer both in the, in the fall is, for a lot of schools, not doable. You know, we've seen a lot of schools that, that don't have or don't invest in boys soccer in the fall because, you know, they feel that it, it takes away from the football program. Schools like Frankfurt, you know, they, they just don't have boys soccer. Um, and in small schools, I can totally see why you would do that, especially, I mean, Bel Air has had to go down to eight, play an eight-player. You know, they were one of the early teams that went down to playing eight-player. But, uh, you know, when, when they had a soccer team, he made him a pretty viable team from up here. So, uh, you know, hopefully he can come in and do the same thing with Traverse City Central. Traverse City Central is trying to get back to, to relevancy in the Big North Conference and uh, really kind of make their mark um, up there towards the top. So if Hale's able to come back and, or come in and, and make that difference with the Trojans, I know they'll be a welcome addition. Uh, a, a big subtraction for one of our area schools is the leader of the Leland soccer program, Brandon Wheeler. Uh, you know, Joe Berta left that program, and Wheeler took over after that state championship. And now Wheeler is on his way down to Gross Point South to become the athletic director. So quite the hop uh, for the Leland boys soccer coach. Yeah, because that's a pretty, I mean, you know, an administrative job at a, one of the bigger schools in the state and, and one with a lot of money, a lot of nice facilities and everything. Uh, that's, you know, that's a nice get for, for Brandon Wheeler there to, to leave Leland for. I, I can understand why he couldn't turn that down. Um, you know, he's been the head coach there for the last two years at Leland and was an assistant for a few years before that when they won the state title. And then was at Mason before that when they won the state title. So uh, obviously he's been successful, but he's he's getting rid of the whistle to become an athletic director. He's not going to coach at all. Um, but he said uh, similar to, uh, you know, what we're talking about with T.C. West and, and Tim Ryman, he's looking to coach coaches down there, and he wants to, to do whatever he can to help the coaches be as successful as they can, you know, not, not be their boss, be somebody who can help them along the way. Mentor and just offer little tidbits and, and little, what is it, tricks of the trade, I guess is the way to go. But congratulations to Brandon and all of our new coaches who are in the area, excited to see exactly what they'll be able to do, or familiar faces <coughs> as Hale and Bauman are. Yeah, and we've probably got a few more coming in the next few weeks. I mean, we know there's some vacancies in the area still that are uh, waiting to be filled, including that Leland that Leland job, you know, uh, St. Francis girls basketball and, you know, and some other ones that are that are getting some new going to be getting some new coaches here pretty soon or maybe already have or at least have been talking about it. So, yeah. uh that segment sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City order a tasty sandwich day with the Jimmy John's app. That's going to lead us to our trifecta, our Hall of Fame, our retroactive Hall of Fame, where we put a few members in that more than likely probably should have made it over the course of the year. And I have one person off the top of my list that we already kind of brought up, and doesn't even matter if she made it in, but we, we talked about her. I'm putting in King, Kingsley's Curly Roloffs. 
her not her getting snubbed from that all state list is enough. She ain't getting snubbed from the get around Hall of Fame as well. So she's my first one for the week, James. What about you? One one person who put up some some really nice statistics, and this was a, not a team that we talked a lot a whole a whole lot about during the regular season was uh, Central Lake. Uh, so I'll, I'll put in Alexis Kane. Uh, she's a, a pitcher for Central Lake, but she also had 20 doubles this season, eight eight triples, and six home runs in 31 games. So she had more extra base hits than games played. That's good. Drove in 52 and scored 40, 57 runs, hit 640. Also pitched for them. I mean, you know, struck out. You know, a good 80, had a you know pretty reasonable ERA under four. And then since there's usually three of us here, I will put our third nomination in, and that's going to be Trevor C. St. Francis sophomore Maggie Napon. I think she knocked on the door in basketball season a couple of times. Not sure that we got her in, but from the leadoff spot for Trevor City St. Francis this year, uh, she was just a monster. She had 51 RBIs from the leadoff spot, scoring 68 runs while batting close to 500 at 495. Uh, had five triples, 12 doubles. I mean, it's it's definitely worthy from the leadoff spot with all those extra base hits. You're setting your team up, and I think they only had one loss almost up until the playoffs, so you know that she was setting up her team for uh, a good opportunity. So those are our three latest retroactive nominees into the Get Around Hall of Fame. Congratulations, ladies. Let's go ahead and get into our trifecta, James, and you brought it up, so... Lord have mercy, I don't even want to know, to be honest. But Joey Chestnut broke his own record once again, his own disgusting record. What was, I it, think what was it, 76? He had 76 hot 76? dogs in 10 minutes. That's the, uh, bare bones math average. What a patriot. 7.6. What a patriot. Like 1776? Doing an homage to 1776? 7.6 <laughs> hot dogs per minute. Do you get that? That's one. That's that's in every ten less seconds. than a ten seconds. You're eating. You're eating and consuming an entire hot dog at that rate, every eight seconds for ten minutes. Yeah. Did Did you see the video afterward? Uh, no. I'm not watching it. I'll vomit. They They showed They showed the video afterwards of like you know when they're presenting him with the 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 like the wrestling belt and yeah. all that stuff like that and and he's just kind of like. He almost looks like a guppy out of water, like gasping for air. What do you think? And everything. Oh my god! And it's like he's like he's he's. It seems like he was having to really concentrate Holding on, on not vomiting. Yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah, hold <laughs> on this, national TV. Hold all this down, which I just think is hilarious because, like, Lord, why you would ever put yourself through that? I looked up his net worth. His net worth is only about two million dollars. He's made about $600,000 in his professional competitive eating career. Not Does he worth make the rest it. of the money in sponsorships or Ads, teaking, sponsor, all that. teaching, or, or what, talking? Teaching, yeah. yeah. Here, open your mouth and yeah. shove this stuff down your gullet. I'm going to do a TED Talk here I on hot just, dogs. Okay, it is, it is physically absolutely incredible what those people do. Uh, I, the fact that that guy, I mean, he doesn't even look that big. The fact he can even fit it's incredible in, hot dogs. It's incredible in the worst way imaginable. Yes. And I, I can tell you exactly why. And, I, you know, I know our listeners. The percentage of people who have ever actually entered and participated in a hot dog eating contest is extremely low. I can tell you it is not a pleasant experience. I can imagine this. I've been in one. Yeah. To much of my dismay and one of the worst decisions I ever made in my life. Joey Chestnut has to feel, to, the, to right now, it's like the sixth. That happened two days ago, 48 hours. 
I guarantee that man still feels so sick that he can barely move off the couch. There's no... How your body even digests that, I don't know. Um, he ate 76 in 10 minutes. I'll tell this story. I'll ask you. And you, after I tell you what I was able to do, I want to ask you the question. Okay? Because what we did was a five-minute hot dog eating contest, right? We didn't do 10. We did five minutes. How many mm-hmm. you could eat in five minutes? And this is five minutes. How many did you get? Guess. Eight. I got seven. I won. Mind you, I won this hot dog eating contest by eating seven hot dogs in five minutes. That's how many he ate. He ate more than that in one minute. 7.6 dogs per minute. He was halfway through that eighth dog by the time I ate. You get the, you get the just complete absurdity. I ate seven dogs in five minutes. and I'm not, I was at work. I was currently working at a bar at the time. I had to go home. It was one of those, like, I literally felt like I was, I had a, a cinder block placed inside of my belly. Oh, cut open, placed inside of my belly, and then sealed back up for me to walk around and try to, like, function with. The whole day was, I was miserable. I was, I had, like, meat sweats. I was, like, on the couch, like, breathing heavily, trying everything I possibly could try not to die or vomit. And normally the meat sweats are a good thing. I, <laughs> I won... A hundred dollar gift card to a different restaurant, and I can tell you once again, unequivocally, not worth it. Not worth it at all. So, seven in five minutes. That was my. That's an absolute upper threshold. <laughs> How many do you think you could eat in five minutes? In five minutes, five. One. one I, I give myself one minute. <clears throat> I did. I did. And then the, after five, if we're talking like full condiments, no, less than that. No, no. But if we're just talking dogs. dog and bun. Yeah, five. Bear dogs. I did. Uh, I did. I, I raw dog in it. I watched Joey Chestnut. This is the thing is, I watched him do it like five, like three, three, four hours earlier, and then we do it. and I'm like, okay, yeah, let's dunk this bun in the water. Oh, did you try that? Is that what you did? Terrible. Just dunk the whole hot dog in the glass of water. Ugh. I can see how it makes it easier on the man, which is ugh. Soggy buns. Eat. This is just nasty. Just don't do hot dog eating competitions, you guys. Please, for the sake of yourself, for the sake of your family, for the sake of everybody watching. Nobody wants to watch that. Just, I, I mean, I guess technically millions of people and, do watch it every year, but oh my god. Yeah. And and the other thing about any kind of eating competition, any kind of competitive eating thing, don't think you can eat more over a longer period of time because you can't. No, it just gets worse for you. Yeah. You better shut all down before your body realizes you're full. Yeah, that's the thing. You have to get it down there before your body doesn't let you eat anymore. Yeah, the one thing I did, I, and I think I maybe talked about this once before on the podcast, was the the Grand Rapids Whitecaps used to have a thing when yeah. it was Fifth Third Ballpark, <coughs> which is their Fifth Third Burger. I think it costs like 18 or $20. It comes in a pizza box. It's got five hamburger patties on it on like this giant oversized bun that's like the size of a pizza crust. And then like a million condiments and stuff on it you know it's got onions nacho cheese sauce refried beans not refried beans but just just a whole bunch of stuff chili i think there's chili on there there's there's like corn chips lettuce too much all that kind of stuff entirely too much tuna and then what ruined it for me is there's sour cream on there and i do not like sour cream i'm a sour cream guy and you can't take anything off to to be part of the competition you can't take anything off of it so I'm just like, ah, oh, well, you got the whole nine innings of the game to eat it. So I ordered it in the first inning, and I'm like, oh, I'll just take my time and everything like that. No, you can't do that. You have to eat the whole thing in like five now minutes, or or, or your or your stomach is just like, nope, you're done, dude. Yeah. So you lost, and it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. 
Yeah, big loser. I got about I got about two thirds or three quarters of the way through the thing, and then I was just like, well, nope, that's why I was nope, fifth third done. burger. No chance. <laughs> I'm done. But I think it was like eight thousand calories or something. Bye. That's just gross. Once again, unnecessary. Ugh. <laughs> Anyways. That's going to do it for episode 183 of the Get Around Podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at TCRE Sports, at JamesCook14, at Jake Atnip. Interact with this episode. We'll get you entered in to win two free Jimmy John subs. Like, retweet, share, gif. You know what to do. We will see you back here next week for episode 184.